all those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you uh, all would make your way up this way uh, for your class. If you're a visitor here, we'd love for your kids to, to join this group. They go down with our, our leaders, and, and they'll have their lesson downstairs and activity uh, while we uh, do business in God's Word up here. I will let you know as the kids are gathering, this is such a good group, that next Sunday it's going to be a little different. We've been announcing that we want to do this with our, even our younger kids, our, our three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, those preschoolers in that age range. Uh, we're, we're going to encourage you to go ahead and check your kids in prior to the service. And then uh, uh, at the same time, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll find out. At the same time, as our kids are making their way up here, our elementary kids, those preschoolers are going to make their way to the back and go with their, their leaders to go through activities and, and lessons as well. So uh, that's something we're going to try uh, begin, beginning next uh, next Sunday, so uh, be aware of that. Uh, if, if you've been with us, you know that we've been talking about Cross My Heart is, is the overall theme. The focus has been on those promises that God has made. We're calling them significant promises in the Old Testament. Significant because we're involved in each and every single one of the promises that we're preaching through. Uh, the first promise was to Noah, where God promised, I will never... Uh, wipe out sinful humanity again with a worldwide flood. Not going to do it again. And we're thankful, right? We, we could come this morning and just praise God that he's not going to do that because, oh, the rampantness of sin, the evidence of sin in this world is so clear. And how many times over and over again would God have wiped out humanity for our sinfulness? But instead, I think the significance is between uh, this promise and the following promises. Because the question comes up is, how is God, a holy God, going to continue uh, to tolerate the sinfulness of humanity? Well, we watch God, through those promises, move forward and actively pursue humanity in these promises. He chooses Abraham. Uh, the next sermon that we looked at was Abraham and the promise that he made to Abraham to make him into a great nation. I'm going to bless your offspring. They're going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob, he promised the same thing over and over again, was to create in him a nation for God. So that was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then last week, we went to that, uh, uh, that, that covenant that was through Moses that was delivered to that nation that came out of that family. They, be, they became a great nation in Egypt and through Moses led them out of Egypt and up to Mount Sinai where this covenant between God and this nation was created. And, and to put it in the simplest form, it's this. I will be your God and you will be my people. Last week we, we specifically looked how that in that covenant, I, and I believe this is exactly what, what defined this nation. This was a nation belonging to God. That defined this nation. And they were also defined through their obedience to God. Their obedience to God through that law. Now this, this Sunday, the, the next promise we're going to be looking at is, is the promise that God made to King David. And, and, and simply put, that promise was this. That I will, I will uh, uh, establish your throne forever. 
I will establish your throne forever. Now there's a, a period of time from where the, the nation of Israel was around Sinai and, and to the period of, we'll call it the period of kings. There are lots of years in between. Matter of fact, we could identify them in two books. Uh, Joshua, Judges, and actually all, all, uh, include Samuel in there as well. In the book of Joshua, from that time they first received that covenant of God, they then crossed into the Jordan following after Joshua. Uh, it, Joshua was, and it, it was actually a period of conquest. You see, God commanded his nation, his people, to go in and to wipe out, to wipe out all the kingdoms that were in that land that was promised to them. To absolutely wipe them out and so uh, we watch all through the book of Joshua going and 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 doing just that uh, conquering those nations that that were in you know within that promised land now just side note is they didn't do that well they, they didn't fulfill it there are still people groups that that later would be a thorn in Israel's side and we especially even see that in the next section uh, the beginning of the book of Judges uh, Joshua dies, and, and the nation continues now under these judges, what the, the book is named for. And, and the, the, the reason judges were, were raised time and time again was because the, the people groups they failed to, to toss out or, or to, to wipe out uh, what God would raise up when Israel became defiant, rebellious, and sinful and he would raise up these nations and they would oppress and, and cause trouble for Israel. Well, Israel would then repent and God would raise up a judge. Uh, some of the judges that are listed are Othniel, Ehud. There's one called Shamgar, a lady named Deborah. Uh, Samson is in that group, but there's numerous judges. Through, if you ever sit down and read through the book, book of Judges, it is a period of time where God would call forth these judges to lead Israel. Now, the, the final judge is Samuel, I believe. We identify him as, as one of the judges uh, of Israel, but it's in that book of Samuel we see the transition from a time uh, of, of guys like Moses and, and, and Joshua and all these judges who, who are leading through God to, to a time of the kings. You see, uh, in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8, it all begins there where Israel, seeing that, that Samuel, who's been leading, is getting older. And, and the, the, actually, the verse that I was looking at is 1 Samuel 8, 5. He says, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. That was Israel's response to Samuel choosing his two sons, Joel and Abijah. These are, basically, these guys are worthless. These guys are dishonest and unjust. It's identified. And so the nation of Israel says, we're in trouble. Uh, Samuel's putting his boys in charge and they are not good at all. So they go to uh, Samuel and say, we want you to appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other the nations have. So I don't know whether it's because of these two guys or because they're looking at other nations and saying, wow, we want to look like everybody else. I understand. I think that's important to what we're going to be talking about today. Israel was not satisfied with no king. 
They, they weren't satisfied the fact that everybody else had a king. We don't have a king. You ever, it's, it's kind of like what you hear your children, right? You hear from your children, well, they have one. Why don't we have one? So they go to Samuel and say, we want a king. And so God appoints, first of all, Saul. Uh, and, and Saul looks like a king. I mean, his head and shoulders about above everybody else. He's handsome. Boy, this guy looks like a king. And when he takes power and authority, he's not a good king. We look in Scripture. He's not a good king at all. Matter of fact, what identifies him as being not a good king is the fact that his heart wasn't focused upon God. His heart was not focused upon God. God then chooses David. As a young boy, even while Saul is still reigning, he chooses David, this young boy, uh, the youngest of, of a family of lots of boys. He chooses David. And, and basically says because David has a heart for God. In, in this passage, David, David later on, the, the passage I really want us to look at and will be up on the screen is 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8, 8 through 16 is the verses I'm going to read for you. And, and, and here is the period of time David grows up, Saul is taken out by his enemies, and now this uh, uh, David, God's chosen king, is going to take the throne. David rules for, for a while. He takes armies and he begins to wipe out the enemies of Israel that's around that promised land that they now occupy. The, the beginning of that chapter 8 in 2 Samuel chapter, excuse me, chapter 7 begins with this. He, he says that, that David now enters into his palace. And, and to see the heart of David is right here. It says that, that David feels guilty because he's entering in a, in, into an established palace while God continues to, to live or, or to, to, to make his appearances in a tent. God is in a tent, I'm in a palace, and it works on David. So David says, I'm going to build a, t I'm going to build a temple on behalf of God, one that's going to be permanent. And so he shares that with Nathan. God comes back with this response. Uh, the beginning part of, of uh, God's response, he basically tells David, he said, I didn't ask for a house. <laughs> I didn't ask for a house. Da David basically, you know, David, you're not going to build me a house. And it picks up here in verse 8 where I'd like to begin reading with you. Again, this is the, con and within the contents, we're going to hear this promise being established to this King David. He says, now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. Let, let me ask you, before I read the rest of this, who's in charge? 
Oh, God. It, it, it's so obvious when you read Scripture. God's in charge. God appoints leaders. God establishes kings. God establishes judges all along. God is in charge. It is his direction. I think it's important for us as we move through these promises to understand that. It makes it so obvious that God is doing the leading. Let me continue on. Here, here it comes. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. David begins to say, man, I'm going I'm to build a house for God. But God turns this around and says, I'm going to establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up, for your, up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Within the contents, I understand God is speaking to David these promises. In the content of that, he's talking about David's offspring. Now, we know this includes Rehoboam, his son who's going to be the king who, who takes his place, and the kings that follow. So in the contents of the promises that we see, we see a mixture of, of Rehoboam. Uh, just for an example, part of what's being said is he's going to build that temple. And it's Solomon who later builds that temple. And, and also, I think, in the contents of when he does wrong, he's going to, to receive discipline from rods that are uh, created by men or wielded by, by men's hands. You see... Along the line of those kings that are going to follow David, there's going to be some who do not follow in God's ways. The kingdom of Judah, which later on is taken into captivity. But also in the content of these promises, the significant part that we ought to pay attention to is the promises of the eternal throne to come. Matter of fact, what we see repeated in the New Testament is exactly that. The throne of David, the one that's going to be established eternally. And we could identify it's Jesus. Are you with me? Are you with me? The significance of this promise, again, for us today, is that Jesus is established through the lineage of David. We could see that in the beginnings of Matthew, there where it lays out the genealogy. How it's so connected, so important for them. Say, oh, here he is. The king that's going to establish that throne forever, and it's Jesus. Uh, in, in that content, we also see repeated that he is my son, and I will. I, he is my son, and I, and I am his father. That's also repeated in the New Testament. Within this this passage, it's very clear uh, that that not only for Israel has it been, hey, we're going to create for you a forever kingdom. It is today through Jesus that He has created for us a forever kingdom. I think that's encouragement. You know, as we're going through this, these promises are, are the encouragement that we have, the, the, uh, the reason for us to praise, the reason for us to worship. So I, I really want to just take just a few moments that we have remaining.
to, to just focus on, on the advantages we have of being a part of God's kingdom. Of course, again, we are part of that God's kingdom through that king, through Jesus. The first, the first uh, point I want to make is that, that this kingdom is a kingdom created by God. It's God created. Uh, very much so, I, I want us to remember, is that easy for us to know today that God rules and to remember that God rules? I, I look at Israel and, and, and closely look at Israel and I think at that time when they're asking for a king, did they forget? It, it's so easy to have you know, someone who speaks and, and who, could, who could give a message before you or give direction as Moses did over Israel or Joshua who stepped up for Israel and led them. But it was always God who was leading through them. Moses knew that. Matter of fact, Moses couldn't, hey, I can't speak. And he had to be encouraged and strengthened through God. Say, you deliver my message. And, oh, no, no, no. Your big brother's going to have to be there for you. Aaron's going to have to speak on your behalf. So Moses needed that help. Moses needed God. And there's times where even Moses forgot, hey, it's God's leading. Struck the rock in anger. And there's other times. But then Joshua also stepped up to lead God's people. Who was, in, who was ruling this whole time? It was God. Through Moses he led, through Joshua he led, through all the judges, God was leading. He was ruling over this nation. Through Samuel he was leading. And then they said, well, we want a king. I, I, I think maybe Israel got too caught up in looking at individual people. We can't get it caught up into that. You know, we might have our favorites of those we listen to through the, through the week or you know, our preachers, Ronnie Roberts. But the truth is, our leader, our ruler, is God. It is absolutely God. And I want you to see that through the promises. Again, through the promises he's created, it has been, it's been to create a nation, to create a people for himself, in order that God would have a separate people, a unique nation. That would be separated from all other peoples from sinfulness. They will be a people that is holy unto him. Right? Oh man, we only realize that and know that through Jesus. We only know that through Jesus today. He has made it possible for us to be a part of nation. Not through blood, but through the promise, through faith, and, and through Jesus Christ. Our faith in Jesus Christ has brought us to that place. David uh, was one who was chosen for that reason. It wasn't Saul. Again, I said Saul was one who would forget God and, and he would do his own things without God's direction. But David had a heart for God. Uh, we, we absolutely re realize that in this passage before God made the promise. Uh, here, here was key. David is finally done with warring. I mean, they're coming to a time of peace. He's entering into his house. You know what that's like, coming into a new house. I mean, it's time to establish the house. And, man, there's peace. I don't have to go, you know, camping and, and, and chasing other nations and warring. It's now a time of peace. And where does David's heart turn to? Oh, man, I, I, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not comfortable with this because God is still in a tent. 
Uh, and that's just one of the, the areas that we can look at to say that David really, truly had a heart after God. Read the Psalms if you want to see God, uh, the, the heart of David. Uh, man, better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. It's a song that we sing. It's, it came out of the Psalms. It was one of David's praise. I, he can't imagine any place better than just being in before the presence of God. And, and it's through David that he chose to bring Jesus the second uh, tremendous advantage that we have, and it's simply, it's almost redundant, but I think it's important. It says a, a kingdom, that, that the kingdom that we have is a kingdom that greatly benefits its people. It greatly benefits its people. I want to go back and think again. When, when they made the request, hey, give us a king, uh, in that message, God said, hey, remind them what a king means. Are you with me on this? Because it goes in that scripture and he says, hey, there are things that, that the rights of a king. Here's what it is. The king could take your sons. He can make them into soldiers. He can make them into servants in his fields and in his home. And he's going to do that. He's going to take your sons. He's going to take your daughters. He can put your daughters in, in the kitchen, in his kitchen. They're going to serve the king. Matter of fact, you're going to end up serving the king. And, and listen, he's going to take the best of your land. He's going to take the best of your property. He's going to take the best of your animals. He's going to, and he's going to take a tenth of everything you own. Taxes, right? Woohoo! let's have a king. Uh, and, and, and they said, no, no, we want a king. They insist on it in the king. And what, he, what the message that came to them is that there will be a time when you cry out for relief from your king. You're going to want relief from your king. And, and matter of fact, we know that happens after Solomon and, and Rehoboam was going to take the throne. And they came and says, well, what kind of king are you going to be? Your, your father was oppressive to us. I mean, the, the abundance and the building that all went on around Solomon where this kingdom looked great, it, it came on all the labor and work from it, all of Israel. And so they, they said, hey, your father was, was kind of a heavy taskmaster. It was difficult living under your father. What kind of ruler are you going to be? So Rehoboam, uh, through, through some advice, said, oh, I'm going to be much worse than my dad. <laughs> that, that's Ronnie's version. Please, you know, it's, it's not scripture. But anyway, he said, I'm going to be a lot worse. I'm gonna, it's going to be so much more difficult under me, and you're going to pay attention. And guess what happened? You know, the splitting of the kingdom. Judah and Israel, the dividing of the kingdom came from that. So, yeah, they didn't enjoy having a king. They didn't enjoy that presence of a king. They didn't see the benefit that they had in, in being rescued out of Egypt. How do you forget that? How do you forget that you were rescued out of Egypt, brought and survived? We're talking a couple million people through the desert area and, and surviving through that for, for 40 years and, and, and some. And then to go into an area where, where the promised land, where there was giants and you had the ability through God to remove them, to wipe them out, and then to overcome your enemies constantly. constantly. How do you forget that? Oh, it's a good thing that we remember all the time, isn't it? Oh, man, it's so good that I have never forgotten what God has done for me. You know, it, it's so good that I'm always here and remembering but in my activity during the week, I forget. And it, it comes through when the flesh kind of rules over in, instead of listening to God. 
You're there with me, aren't you? Sometimes we, we remember when we're together and we're worshiping. Oh, man, we're remembering. But during the week, maybe it's in difficulties, we forget. In our troubles, we do some forgetting of who truly rules. Isn't that right? Sometimes we forget who truly rules. But, but there is a blessing that we have because of the eternal king that's coming. There's a blessing. He's brought us into a right. Even in, even in our failures, even in our forgetfulness, we have a forgiveness that, that we have received through Christ. And it gives us, talk about blessing, it gives us the opportunity and the ability to grow and, and, and come into a right relationship with him. That's where we begin, with forgiveness. And, and then we grow into what it means to be a kingdom person. It, it, it helps us to grow into being people who learn patience, learn how to overcome you know, the fits of anger that we might have or, or, or the lust or, or whatever it is that continues to trip us up. He, we have his patience and over that we have his forgiveness. We're kingdom people. And we understand what that means. We have the opportunity to live with God who rules over us. Uh, we, we never get frustrated with, king, with uh, government, do we? <laughs> I, think, I think about the people afterwards and their frustration with kings and, and, and oh man, the difficulties. The, the nations around us, there's godless nations. We consider ourselves a godly nation and I'm a little frustrated with our government. And we see corruption, and we see that working. And, and I had a discussion with a, a, a guy earlier this week, and we both saw two different sides, and we were listening to different people. We all came to the same conclusion, that God rules. With that, we say, oh, yeah, God rules. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I sometimes think I have it all figured out, our government. I do know what the Scripture calls us to do as a people is to be honoring of those that he's put in, in charge and we're to be praying for them to see, because guess what? Uh, our, our kingdom, the kingdom we're a part of, is an eternal kingdom. It, it is an eternal kingdom. And, and the governments and the kingdoms of this world are temporary. Are you with me? Uh, whatever kingdom. And the power that they think they have is only according to what God allows and, and, and they are all temporary. There is one kingdom that's going to be eternal. And, and my citizenship is there. And through Jesus, that's your citizenship. That's an encouragement. That, man, that, that's a reason to rejoice. That's a reason for us to celebrate. Because the kingdom we're a part of is eternal. It's eternal. That, and that really is the, the final point I wanted to, to, to make. It's, it's exactly what... Uh, uh, that, that covenant is about. It is a kingdom that out, outlasts all kingdoms. You know, our, our government, any of those who govern over uh, uh, states, uh, nations, anyone who is, is placed in that, that kind of uh, position to rule or to lead uh, would do well to uh, act like David, <laughs> to have a heart after God. Instead of uh, leading and, 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 and with, without humility, David, I believe, was a humble king who, who was always knowing that his leadership was dependent upon the God that he served. 
and any, any official, any, any government person who is dependent upon God, oh man, praise God for them, right? Pray for them, support them, encourage them. A kingdom that outlasts all kingdoms. That's what we're a part of. And the access to that kingdom is through the king. And he, he deserves his throne. Through his obedience, he went to the cross on your, uh, your behalf, my behalf. It's the reason why I could be called what God has designed and planned all along, could be called uh, a, holy, a part of that holy nation. It's not because I'm holy, it's because he is holy. And he has taken my place. I want to I wrap it up uh, according to what David said. You know, when, when we think about advantages of, man, read through the psalm and, and you hear David's advantage all the time of what he thinks about his place in God's kingdom. In, in one, one psalm he says, the Lord is my shepherd I, I won't be lacking anything. He leads me beside uh, green pastures and beside the quiet waters. Man, all the provisions are there. Uh, he, he, he's going to take care of me. That's his confidence. He, he quiets my soul. He restores my soul. And he leads me in paths that are right. Or he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Do you hear his confidence? In, in every day, man, God is there. He is going to my, be my source. He is, he is my source for every day. And, and even though those days of difficulty, there's comfort. David, David saw God as his advantage, his clear advantage and and i believe as it moves on it steps to not only advantage but that he is favored by god do you feel that sometimes that oh god just doesn't give us provisions but that his love is evident in pouring out upon us do you see that oh man you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies what <laughs> have you ever thought what you're sitting down to eat in the presence of your enemies? I, I, it's, it's, it's fight or flight, right? That, that's the, it's not sitting down at a table. What's, what's going on here? You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. He, he says, you anoint my head with oil, which is so comforting. It's comforting. My cup isn't just filled. It overflows. Do, do you understand this is who rules? David, David had a clear perspective. This is who rules. He doesn't just provide. He favors me. Now, this is David. Is this you? Can you embrace such a, a passage, such an idea and perspective of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. That was his plan all along. Through promises he stepped through. I'm going to create a nation, and through that nation is going to be an obedient people. And to the obedient people, he created, a, a, he brought about a promise to say, I'm going to establish your throne forever. And, and through that promise, he brought Jesus. And it wasn't just to one nation. It's to all nations, to all peoples. That has been made uh, evident, and that's been made available. Available. And, and if you're in Jesus, that's your kingdom. 
He's your God. And he favors you absolutely. The greatest evidence is because Jesus went to the cross on your behalf. Woo! And, and his love and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And understand this. I think this came through that promise. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 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 We have a, a sweet lady today who I, I understand life support is being pulled. Verlene Byrne. I prayed with Paul at the beginning. But here was her heart. It was rejoicing through all the difficulties and always had a heart for God. And she wanted to, her, her mother was one who would always quote scripture. And, and Verlene would always have a song in her heart. And, and today, uh, good chances she's going to pass today from all the difficulties, the, the crippled life, and all the hardships she faced in life. Isn't that right, Paul? And inner eternity. Yay! <laughs> Why do we worship? Why do we come together? Because God rules. God rules. And he rules through Jesus. He rules through Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for all oh, those promises that are laid out through the Old Testament. Lord, we could look today and think and, and value the kingdom that is around us. Lord, it is your church. Lord Jesus, we know that when he came, it was clearly said that you know, from, from John the Baptist to repent and be, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And we know that Jesus ushered in your kingdom into this world. And through Christ and through the forgiveness we received from him, we could become those kingdom members. And Lord, even though your kingdom continues to rule today to lead and, uh, and uh, declare that message Lord, there's an unfolding of the kingdom yet to be seen. Lord, we're anxious for it when Jesus returns to see the completion of that kingdom, the completion of the perfection working in us. God, we praise you for the hope that we have in Jesus, but we also pray for our current existence, living in this kingdom, loving you, and growing in that relationship with you. Oh, Father, we praise you for today. We praise you for how solid your word is and the confidence it gives us. May it be our encouragement and our strength as we continue, not only through today, but throughout this week to come. May we know that we are kingdom people through Jesus. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.